checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Very honored. Very honored to be here. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you. We love your pastor, pastors. Amen. We should say it that way. Praise God. Amen. They work together, and we... Uh, we're very honored to be here, and thank God for the connection God gave us. Amen? Amen. And we appreciate, praise the Lord. And we were here last November, and uh, pastors were out of town. Right. Right. Amen. And they invited me back. Hallelujah. So I must have done all right. <laughs> Amen. So we, uh, we'll let them get me adjusted in here in a second. Praise God. And uh, so but anyway, we, we, we really enjoy coming. We enjoy being here and are thankful for you. Amen. My lovely wife, Bonnie. Praise God. Amen. So we've been going since 1975. So that's a pretty good distance together, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. And so we're excited about that. It did bring some books. We got some books out there. I'm a little disappointed. I've got a book. I'll get it to you. If you'd want it, praise God. We, the Lord dealt with me. A lot of people, we're, we're believing God for many, many, many people to come to the kingdom of God. And get born again. Amen. Fill with the Spirit. Praise God. So the Lord kept dealing with me. So I put a book together. And it was supposed to be out. And then they said it would be shipped last week. And it didn't get in. But it's on the new beginnings in Christ. And in that book, I, I teach on the first chapters. Make full proof of your salvation. You got to, you know, don't, don't, don't let your salvation eternity be put in somebody else's hands. Amen. Find out what it is to be born again. Second is why you get water baptized. Amen. And then the third one is be filled and stay full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So hopefully we'll get that one out real soon. It's going to be a good one. Amen? Amen? But we got a bunch of others out there that'll be a blessing to you. And I think I'm sounding pretty good now. Hallelujah. It didn't take it very long. Got a good crew back there. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. So praise God. But tonight we're going to get in some things. It's my honor to kick this off and get it started. So uh, I prayed and the Lord changed my message about 14 times. But anyway, no. <laughs> I had to change it this afternoon. I was telling Pastor Earl, I said, you touched on three of the messages in your message that I was going to preach. I said, either you jumped over and got in my lane or we're hearing from God. Amen. I, th I believe we're both hearing from God. Amen. Amen. I believe God has a theme for this week, and I believe if you'll come and hear the word and let it get in your heart, it'll change your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, we trust you for utterance. We thank you, Lord, for opening our hearts and our minds and bringing to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might see, hear, and receive and know the truth that will set us free. And Lord, we set ourselves to be good ground, to hear this word, to receive this word, and then to be doers of the word. And Lord, we thank you in advance for working with us and confirming your word with the signs that follow and accompany it. And we just give you all the praise for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want you to look in Matthew's gospel, chapter 4. We'll look in two verses, verse 17, and then we're going to look down to verse 23. And, and in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus Christ initiating the gospel of the kingdom. Praise God. You know, in Luke 16, 16, it says that the law and the prophets were preached until John, and since then the kingdom of God is being preached, and many are pressing into it. And so we find that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down upon him. He was filled with the Spirit. And of course, we know that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he established his authority by defeating the devil three times, the three tests, with the spoken word of God. Amen? Amen. And so we see that the Lord Jesus is initiating the kingdom and then also he's initiating and revealing the power that is in that kingdom that is going to change humanity forever. Hallelujah. And in verse 17, the Bible says that from that time and from the time of John, you know, being put in prison, he says, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, isn't it amazing that the, the, the message that Jesus is preaching here, of course, you know, we'd heard repentance all throughout the Bible. But, you know, here he, he's, he's adding a little different connotation. He's adding a little emphasis to it. He's saying repent 
Because now your repentance is not going to keep you in bondage of the law. Your repentance is going to bring you over into the liberty of the kingdom of God. So your repentance, the changing of your mind, the changing of your attitudes, the changing of your life is not just going to be going from day to day, but it's bringing you into the kingdom of God and it's bringing you into God's righteousness, his peace, his joy in the Holy Ghost, his power, his anointing. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord is, is really showing us some things. And you know, it's, it's amazing to me, and, 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 and we want to take just a moment here. The Lord just was dealing with me during the praise and worship there. He said, just touch on the fact of repentance there. You know, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that my, you know, mighty message and the people said, well, what must we do? What did he say? He said, repent and believe the gospel. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, they repented and they, they did the things there. Well, we find the Lord initiating repentance. And, and what it means is to change your mind, to change your direction, to change your heart, to change your life. Amen? You know what the Lord is saying? He's saying if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you can change it now. If you don't like what you have, you don't like what you're doing, you don't like what things are going on all around you, I'm giving you the open door now to change that and move over into a place where you can't get on your own. Amen? And that's so real because the Lord took me back to whenever I was in college and, and I, I wasn't living for God. I, you know, I was taught to believe in God and be a good person. That's about the extent of my Christianity, okay? And, and so, you know, uh, but I was in college and I'd gotten away because, you know, you can believe in God and try to be a good person and still not do the right stuff. And I finally got to the place where I said, I, I just said it one night in my, my dorm I, I, room, I said, Lord, I, I just don't like who I am. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't know how to change it. I don't want to be this way. You know what that basically was defining? I need to repent. I need a change in my life. I need something to take my life in a different direction, God. And I didn't really know. But you know, the Lord spoke to me, and, and he ministered to me, and he showed me, and he led me to a couple of uh, uh, ball players. I played football in college, and so he led me to a couple of my teammates who were on fire for God, and they took me to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I found out that repentance wasn't just me being sad or aggravated or frustrated with the life I was living. Repentance meant that I needed to turn from that and find how to get out of that situation and get over into a better situation. Amen? Amen? I didn't know anything about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. I just needed to change. But what I found out as I've learned is this, by going to my friends and then taking me to Romans 10, 9, and 10 and teaching me that if I would believe that Jesus was the Christ, that God raised him from the dead, accept him in my heart, confess him as my Lord, I would be saved. What they were doing was this. They were saying through your dissatisfaction with your life, now you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will take you out of the kingdom of darkness and out from under the authority of darkness and take you out of that life that you're tired of and bring you over into a life that is so full of God and grace and blessing that it'll change you forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I didn't know what happened to me that night, but I went from the kingdom of darkness over to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I changed lords. I changed the, the, the one who had authority in my life. So you see, repentance isn't I'm just don't like my life. I, I'm, I'm tired. Of repentance is seeking God because he said this kingdom is right here, but you got to come to it. You got to find it. Amen. And you got to come to it through, through the way the Lord says. Now, in, in the 23rd verse, after the Lord is teaching and ministering, he gets down here and he says, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now we begin to see some more truth. Not only will the kingdom of God set you free from your sin. Come on. Not only when you repented and turned your life to the Lord and turned to his kingdom did he set you free from darkness and sin in your past, but now he brings you into a kingdom that has great power that can also heal your life, heal your body, heal your mind, heal your relationships, and heal everything about you and make you a completely changed and transformed person in this world. Yeah. 
Because Jesus didn't just teach to come into the kingdom, he then demonstrated the power of the kingdom in his preaching, amen? And so we began to see, and, and, and I didn't know a lot of this stuff. I'm, I was going to a denominational church. I went there because the pastor of the church was the team chaplain of the football team that I played on. And so we connected. But after about six months of going to the church, Bonnie and I, you know, we'd gotten married, now we're going to church together. And, 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 I, and it just came to me, God, there's got to be more than what I've got. I'm thankful that I'm not out here doing that crazy stuff. I'm thankful there's a change. I know there's a change, but I got, you know, I didn't even have a Bible. I finally, we got us a Bible. And, and so we, we found out, and I started reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I said, whoa, now that is a Jesus right there. Yeah. <laughs> he don't remember the, you know, he don't even resemble the Jesus that we got here in our church. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the Jesus that spoke to me in my dorm room back there. <laughs> And my friends introduced me to. Man, he was healing the sick, casting out demons. I mean, he was yeah. triumphing over the devil in every area. Right. And so I said, Lord, what is it that we're missing? And, and, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you're missing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the power of the kingdom in your life. You don't just need the knowledge of the kingdom and you don't need to just be in the kingdom. You need the power of my kingdom in operation in your life. And so I've, I set out on my quest to find out how to live in a powerful Christianity, not just a barely get along Christianity. And I began to pursue God and I knew that my answer was in the word of God. Are you hearing me? It wasn't in religion, it wasn't in denominationalism, it wasn't in philosophies, it was in the word of God. And I had to find out through the word what the kingdom of God is and what happened to me when I repented and moved over into God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now, look in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Let me show you what the apostle Paul has to say about this. In 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the apostle is, is, is really correcting the church there at Corinth. And, you know, the Corinthian church, they were a carnal bunch, you know. Thank God they got saved and they got filled with the Holy Ghost and then they got crazy. Hallelujah. Well, they were already crazy. <laughs> and Paul just, you know, all the time he's ministering to them, he's trying to correct them. But you know what's the sad is this. I related to a lot of the stuff they were doing. Amen. Because I was doing it. And I understood now why Paul was writing these letters. But Paul's writing to him here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to, I want you to look in, well, I, I want to tie verse 18 into verses 19 and 20. It says, now some of you are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. You know, Paul is writing to these people and some of them have gotten all, you know, arrogant and inflated and I'm running the show and all this stuff. And they're acting like, you know, you know Paul ain't never coming back so we can do what we want to. And so he says, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will not know the word of those who are puffed up. Now, that word there is speech. In other words, I'm not going to come back there and listen to the arrogant, puffed up, religious talking, yeah. religious cliches, yeah. empty, idle, word of mouth people that are talking around, acting like they know something when they don't know anything. Their life is a mess, and all they're doing is talking religion. Right. Come on. Are you hearing me? Because here's a man who was out here living in religion as Pastor Brother. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he's out here doing all this stuff, and he found out that wasn't the way to live. Jesus knocked him down one day. Yeah. Amen. It made him sit around and think about it for a few days until he had another guy come lay hands on him so he could see again. Amen. Okay, Lord, I believe. Well, just sit there. I'm going to let you stew on this. And since you can't see anything, you can just think about it. <laughs> but, the, you know, he comes in. So Paul then says in verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in just speech or talk or religious words, but it is in power. One translation says it is, it is not just a religious idle work, but it is an empowered life to live for God. 
So even the Apostle Paul later on is coming along, tying in with the same thing that the Lord says, that the kingdom of God is an empowered life to do the things that God has called you to do. Amen? Amen? Acts 17, 6 says that in Thessalonica, they got all upset with everybody. And then to get down to verse 6, it says that this, this was the fussing that the world was throwing at them. They that have turned the world upside down have come now here. They've come here too. They're, in other words, there was a group of believers that were not religious. They didn't just talk the talk, but they walked the walk. They walked in the revelation of the power of the kingdom of God. They walked in the revelation of who they were in Christ. And when they showed up in town, they did the works of the Lord Jesus because they found out that the kingdom of God is not just a religious experience that you join a church and you stay the same the rest of your life. But the kingdom of God is a transformation that takes place in your life that God takes you from weakness to strength. He takes you from defeat to victory. He takes you from a nobody to a somebody. He takes you to somebody that nobody wants to be around, to somebody that can change lives everywhere you go. And the book of Acts is full of nation changing. Amen. Hallelujah. People that moved and shook nations, shook cities. Why are we not shaking places? We should be a city shaking, nation changing, world harvesting bunch of kingdom believers that cannot be stopped. Hallelujah. Amen. We should not walk in with idle talk and arrogance about us, but we should walk into our workplace just being quietly walking in the authority and the power of the kingdom of God and under our breath just say in the name of Jesus, things are changing in this place. Hallelujah. God, you, you put me here to bring your righteousness, your peace, your joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm here to help people get out of their bondage. I'm here to live a light. I'm here to let Jesus be Lord in my life and for people's lives to be changed. Hallelujah. I heard Brother Copeland say years ago, I've been in this for a while, so this was, I won't tell you how many years. But anyway, he was a young guy then. But he said he had this car and he was having problems with the transmission, so he took it to a mechanic. And he said this mechanic was known to, just, he was the best mechanic, but he cussed like a trooper. I mean, he just, just every other word's cussing. And so Brother Copeland said, I just stood over and he said, I'd been listening to Brother Hagin teach on the authority of the believer. And so he said, I, I just stood over there and that man was underneath my car cussing and working. I just under my breath said, in the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. Yeah. Devil, you're not going to cuss while you work on my car. <laughs> so he said, I didn't say it loud. He said, I just, I just knew who I was. And he said, I'm standing there. And he said, the fellow rolled himself out from the car and said, preacher, would you leave for a while? <laughs> He said, why? He said, because a man can't fix this without cussing, and I, for some reason, can't cuss while you're in my garage. <laughs> he said, I ain't leaving, and you ain't cussing. Now fix it. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Somebody says, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, don't worry. It won't work for you. Hallelujah. You'll be okay. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. Praise God. Because you see, there's something that causes all these things to work together and brings it into the fullness. And that is this. You have to understand that the power of God's kingdom operates through the currency of faith. Faith has to be an operation in your life for these things to work in your life. The Lord Jesus lived every day of his life in faith. In faith. And you see, you've got to understand something. You've got to get over into faith. And you've got to understand something, too. You can know the Bible and still not have faith. Because faith doesn't just come from knowledge. Faith comes from relationship. Are you hearing me? Just because I know about somebody doesn't mean I know that person. And it doesn't mean that I have any more access to them than you do. But whenever I have a relationship with them and I walk with them and they teach me and I learn from them and I follow their examples and then they're the influence in my life and they know me and I know them, then it brings me into a different realm of working with them. 
And we as Christians, we as citizens of the kingdom of God have to understand that our faith doesn't just come because we come to church and hear and leave and we don't let it change us or transform us, amen? The word is given to us so that we can know God and enter into relationship with him, amen? And it, it's come, it comes to give you faith. And somebody says, well, you sure, Brother Hubman, that faith is that important? Well, uh, yeah, you can't please God without faith, Hebrews eleven six. You can't get saved without faith, he, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And you can't really live unless you live by faith in Galatians 3, 11. Are you hearing me? Your faith won't work, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, if you don't have faith. Your prayers aren't going to work if you don't have faith. So I'd say faith is a pretty good thing to have, amen? And then faith comes out of a relationship with God through his word, and that word has to take upon itself life in you. You have to begin, and I'm going to get into what I'm going to really get into tonight. You have to really begin to identify yourself with the word of God. And the word of God begins to describe who you are in this life. Until it changes the way you see yourself, it changes the way you see things, it changes how your attitude is when you are confronted with situations. And instead of thinking like the world thinks about it, you think like God thinks. And instead of letting the flesh be the first thing that responds, your spirit man responds because your spiritual walk with God is greater than your fleshly walk with the world. And my relationship with God and the kingdom of God is greater than my relationship is with the world and the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Amen. Look in Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter. Let me show you. The Lord Jesus shows us this and gives us this as our example. In Luke, the fourth chapter, we'll begin in verse 14. It says, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit in Galilee, or to Galilee, and the news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and to proclaim claim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, oppressed, and broke down, beaten down, downtrodden, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now you stop there, and Jesus has done nothing more than the Pharisees did. Jesus has just read a passage from the scripture that encourages everybody. But the Lord Jesus doesn't stop with just reading the scriptures. He doesn't stop with just declaring the scriptures. He doesn't just stop by well, just getting all, you know, uh, ooey gooey about the scriptures. He does something that nobody else has done. Look at the next verse. You're not done till you get to verse 21. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know what the Lord Jesus just did? Jesus just came in there and declared out of his mouth that he is everything that he just spoke. Come on. Jesus standing in the midst of them just showed them who he was according to what the word says. Now, there are two keys I want you to get a hold of here that the Lord Jesus is showing us. And the first key is found in verses 16 and 17. And it says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, now listen, here's the part you got to get. He found the place where it was written. He opened the book. He asked for the scroll. They handed him. They didn't open it up to Isaiah 61, and he read it. He went there on purpose and opened it up and read it out loud. And then in verse 21, he says, everything that you have just heard is standing in front of you. 
So what was the first thing that the Lord Jesus Christ did? Jesus found his identity and his purpose in God's word. I'm going to say it again. Jesus discovered or found his identity of who he is and his purpose on earth in the word of God. Now you can be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and headed to heaven and not know who you are and not know what your purpose on the earth is until you get into this book and you read it out loud and let it talk to you and then you stand up and say, that is who I am. Are you hearing me? This is who I am, Mr. Devil. I'm not a nobody. I am a somebody in Jesus. Hallelujah. So you have to identify, this is who I am and this is what I can do. Hallelujah. Woo. And the people got upset with him. Because when you start identifying yourself as a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you identify yourself with what God says about you, religious people get upset with you. Because religion says you can worship God, but you can't know God. And religion says you go to heaven, but you can't do anything while you're down here. And religion says you're just a nobody, and you just need to crawl through the altar every Sunday, and repent, ask God to forgive you, and live that that condemned life. Right. Right. But Jesus said, I came to deliver you from that beat down, broke down, no account, bruised, battered life, and set you free. Hallelujah. So if you and I are going to be powerful, city-shaking, nation-changing, world-harvesting, devil-casting out Christians and citizens of the kingdom of God, the first thing you're going to have to do is get in the Word and find yourself in God's Bible. I refuse to identify myself with the world. I don't identify myself with who I was. Do you ever read over in 2 Corinthians 5? You know, we read verse 17 all the time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And in verse 18, all things are of God. But you know, you get up a couple of verses before that, and Paul says this, uh, if one died, then all died. Therefore, none should be living for themselves. And even though we've known Christ in the flesh, we don't know him that way anymore. And we no longer recognize you in the flesh. We don't know you as brother so-and-so who was, you know, daddy's son and whatever. And and the the old guy that went down the street or the old guy worked down here. He said, we don't know you as who you were before you accepted Jesus in your heart. We only know you now in the spirit as a new creation in Christ Jesus that those old things are passed away. You're not a thief. You're not a liar. You're not some old somebody. You are now a child of the living God. And that's the only way we're going to recognize you. And what you got to do is you got to get into the book. James said it's a mirror. And you got to get into this word until you look in there and go, oh, there I am. Woo. I'm looking good. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) See, if you're fighting sickness all the time, what you're doing is you see yourself as sick and defeated. But you see, you got to get in the Word, and all of a sudden you start reading 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. And Matthew 8.17, himself bore your sickness and carried your pains. And then you get over in Psalm 107, verse 20, and he says he sent his Word and healed them and delivered them into destruction. And you read Psalm 103, it says, who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. And then you go to Exodus 15.26, it says, who I am the Lord, the God that healeth thee. And you get in and you go, I am healed, man. That's who I am. And you declare it. This day, Mr. Devil, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I want you to hear what God says about me. Because I'm changing my identity. That loser died on the cross with Jesus and was raised up more than a conqueror when Jesus came. Hallelujah. Now I'm an overcomer in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you see, you have to declare it in the midst of, with all of them here. I mean, you know, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Jesus held a good confession even before Pilate. You know what? He told everybody, it didn't matter whether you liked it or you didn't like it, who he was. And you and I cannot be one thing in this building and something else in some other building. This has got to be so real to you. This is who you are all the time. Amen. So the first thing you got to do is this. I'm going to find my identity and my purpose in the word of God. I'm going to get it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to make it who I am. If God said it, I believe it. That settles it. And you know the great thing about it is this. If you get in the word long enough and talk it long enough, there'll come a day where it will become so real to you that you won't have to convince yourself you're that. It'll just come out of you. Because you have become a sponge that got so full of what God says about you. Every time something touches you, the word comes flowing out of your mouth. And every time the enemy tries to take you down, you tell him that you're more than a conqueror. And, you, and, and if he questions you, you just take him to the word and read the word to him. Yeah. Right. Hey, man, there are times I said, now, Mr. Devil, I don't know if you know. I know you know some scripture because you quoted it to Jesus. And I think you can read, but if you can't, let me show you what I am. I want you to listen now. You've been telling me who I'm not. I'm going to read here and show you who I am. I want you to hear. In your hearing, Mr. Devil, I want you to know this is who I am. And he'll say, you don't feel like it. it I didn't say I am because I feel like it. Well, you don't look like it. I didn't say I am because I look like it. I said I am because God said it. And as I keep saying it, eventually I'm going to look like it. And eventually I'm going to feel like it. And eventually you're going to have to acknowledge that I not only have it, I is it. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so we have to follow the Lord's example. He's our king. He's our Lord. And we have to follow. And he showed us. He went specifically to the scripture, found the place read it to them, and, des and described, this is my ministry, and this is who I am, and this is what I've come to do. Amen. You don't have to look anymore for the anointed one. He's standing right here in front of you. And folks, we should be able to stand before people and say, you don't have to go look for no anymore for to try to find a real Christian. Right here. Right here. And we're not like that group over in Corinth that Paul was talking about who was arrogant and inflated and talking things that they weren't. Who couldn't put up any fruit with what they were saying. But the fruit of their life was the power in their life. See, it's not bragging when I do it. Amen. I'll tell you a natural situation at one time. I, I, I had played golf in my life, and at one time I was decent and, uh, before I played more than once a year. But anyway, we were out, and a friend of mine, he, he still comes to church. He was a leader in our church, and he'd given his heart to the Lord. He owned a golf course, and so he told me, Pastor, you take care of me on Sunday. I'll take care of you the rest of the week. Hallelujah. Anytime you want to play, come on out. And so he worked with me and helped my game. So some of us were out playing one day, and we were on this par four. And I said, see that spot right out there? I'm going to land my ball right out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They start laughing. So I said, help me, Jesus. How they go? <laughs> but I hit that ball, and it went right down, and it landed within two feet of where I said it was going to end up. And my friend who owned the course, he said, well, it ain't bragging if you can do it. <laughs> and walked off. Hallelujah. Paul was saying, a bunch of you are a bunch of braggarts in Corinth. You're not done a thing. You're trying to tell everybody else what to do, but it's not real to you, and that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is you making it real in your life, and you discovering who you are in your life, and then speaking out of a position of authority and a position of relationship with God that challenges people to come on up to another level and encourages people. It doesn't condemn people. It doesn't put them down, because Jesus didn't say he was anointed to condemn people or show them their problems. He was anointed to bring them life and bring them deliverance 
deliverance and to bring them healing and to set them free and walk in victory. And if you're walking in the power of the kingdom of God, you're not going to walk in and bring guilt, condemnation, and, and, and brokenness to people. You're going to bring healing to them of all those things. And you're not going to go in and they're not going to get saved because you told them to get saved. They're going to get saved because they see something in your life that is something they want in their life and they want to have that in their life. And then you have the opportunity to share with them the revelation out of relationship of who your Lord and King is. And then Jesus operates through that and brings the kingdom of God into their heart. See, a lot of people want to repent and they want to change, but they don't know how to get it. But Jesus said, it's right here. It's right here at hand. It's right here before you. You've got to repent. You've got to believe on me. And you've got to come and find yourself in this word. Second thing is this. He says up here in verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. The second thing is this. Jesus received the power to do God's will through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to see a move of God, it's got to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that Jesus did not do one miracle until he was baptized in the Holy Ghost? Amen. He was just as much the son of God when he was 25 as he was when he was 30. But he didn't do any miracles. You hear Jesus in the temple discussing the scriptures at the age of 12, and then you hear nothing else until he shows up at John's at the River Jordan. And Jesus comes up out of the water and he's full of the Holy Ghost and immediately he begins to bring the kingdom of God to us. What's he saying? He's saying you cannot operate in the power of the kingdom of God in your own ability. You need the helper to come into your life. You need the Holy Spirit. That's why in Acts chapter one, he told the disciples, he said, listen, don't go out, don't do anything. Even though I've commissioned you to do this, Carry right here. Stay right here in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You have to receive that promise that I told you about that John records that I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another helper and he'll abide with you forever and he's the spirit of truth and he'll guide you into all the truth and he'll anoint you and equip you just like he has me. He told him in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power for the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Power, ability, you know, uh, the, the, an empowered life is what he's saying. And so the Lord Jesus shows us that we not only have to know who we are in Christ, but we have to ask the Holy Spirit to come into and upon us to empower us to live that revelation. Right. Remember? You ever read over in the Old Testament, I think it's over in Zechariah, where he's telling the, the prophet God speaking to him, and he's telling him he's going to rebuild the temple, and he's going to do all this stuff, and, and, and then finally he looks at him, and he says, oh, by the way, I'll paraphrase for you, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit. You're going to get this done. It's not going to be your strength. You're not going to be able to brag about it. You're not going to be able to say, look what I did. You're going to have to understand. Listen, folks, when people get healed, it wasn't you that healed them. It was the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you that got them healed. When you led somebody to the Lord, it wasn't you who convicted their heart and brought them to a revelation that Jesus was Lord. It was the Holy Spirit operating in that situation. It, when you were praying and seeking God and all of a sudden revelation comes to you from what you're supposed to do, you didn't get that because you're so worthy of it. You got that because the spirit of truth is on the inside of you and he begins to bring to you the revelation of God's plan and purpose and will and he begins to show you how to do these things. Greatest thing after being born again was whenever I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Changed my life. So thankful for what God did. Hallelujah. And I was in a denominational church where they said it wasn't of God. They taught it, it had gone away, and we didn't do that anymore. And then they said it split the church. But I read it, he united the church. The Jewish people couldn't believe that the Gentiles could be get, get saved until they heard him talking in tongues. They went, oh my God. God's going to save that bunch too. You better be careful because, you know, you, you might have this little attitude. If you don't watch, you can develop it. And then somebody that you just knew God would never use will get saved and fill the Holy Ghost. And they'll do something. You go, oh my God. Whoops, I'm in the wrong group. I've got to get over in the good group. Hallelujah. Amen. 
But what did the Lord do? He got filled with the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. He operated by the power of the Spirit. When he healed people, what happened? The power of God would flow out of him and touch their lives, change their lives. You see, God wants us to be transformed citizens of the kingdom of God. He wants us to get in the word and locate in the word who we are and identify with what God says about us and begin to let it change us and begin to let it heal us and deliver us and, and, and heal up the hurts and the brokenness in our lives to the point that we can be a whole person, spirit, soul, and body, emotionally, physically, socially, and we begin to be a positive influence to others. But God says now that you've got it, you need to be able to share it, but to share it, you need a helper. And the Holy Spirit will help you now to fulfill what I've called you to do and he'll empower you to be able to get it done, and he'll help you to touch other people's lives, just like he touched yours. So the second thing we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to get filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? Now you're right there in Luke chapter four. Look in the fifth chapter. I wanna bring us to a close because we wanna minister, but in Luke chapter five, and we'll pick it up here in verse 17. It says, now it happened on a certain day when he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's pretty plain, isn't it? How was they going to get healed? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. That means the anointing of the Holy Ghost was there because he had just said in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And he returned in the power of the Spirit. So power, Spirit, and anointing are synonymous, amen? You can't have the anointing and the power without the Spirit. Come on. So the power of the Lord is present healed. The Spirit of the Lord is present healed. The anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power and anointing of the Holy Ghost is present in the Lord right there with him to heal all these people. Now look what happens. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and, and, and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst of them. Whew. That's a determined group of guys. We can't get in. Let's just go up there and hack away some of the roof and we'll slide you down that way. Now, let's read on. When he, Jesus, saw their faith, their faith, whose faith? The, the, the faith of those guys, one says he had four friends dropping him down. When he saw the determination of these men, the, the, here's, here's what you gotta understand. Apparently these guys had heard about Jesus and they heard if I can just get you to Jesus, you could, we could get you healed. And when they get there, they're so determined that the crowd's not going to cause them to back off or quit. Nothing's going to hinder them from getting what they came for. And so they're so determined, they sit there and instead of just accepting defeat and walking off saying, well, it must not have been God's will for today for me to get this. They said, can't get in that way, can't get in this way, and somebody pokes it. Yeah, don't tell anybody we're going to tear his roof off. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they climb up, open the roof, and they drop him down. And when Jesus saw their faith, their determination, a faith that refused to be denied based on the circumstances that was confronting it. And no fail, no quit, no give up. I'm not going to go away empty-handed faith. When Jesus saw that type of determination in these people, he said to him, the person that was on the, the paralyzed, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, question, argue among themselves, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you sitting there questioning, trying to figure out what I'm doing? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go to your home. And immediately he rose up before them, 
took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house glorifying God. Now, I got to praying about this. And as I was praying about it, I said, Lord, you looked at the man who's definitely has infirmity and you turn to him, you say, your sins are forgiven. Then you heal him. He said, son, here's the thing you've got to understand. I had to correct his identity before I could correct his situation. Because the man sees himself as paralyzed and the man also sees himself as maybe I sinned and caused this. So therefore he's got guilt, condemnation, inferiority. He doesn't think he's worthy. That's why his friends are bringing him to the meeting. And Jesus said, I had to change his identity. He had to quit blaming himself, blaming others, feeling like he wasn't worthy, feeling like it was his sin that got him in that place. He said, I had to let him know that God loved him and his sins would be forgiven if he would look to me. See, a lot of believers today don't get healed because they think maybe I did something and they're listening to entertaining thoughts from the devil saying, you know, it's your fault, you're not spiritual enough, you haven't prayed enough, you don't know enough scriptures, you haven't been in church enough, you know what you said last week. And a lot of people are identifying with the cause of their problem and their problem and not identifying with the healer and the deliverer of their problem. So the Lord said, I had to deal with the cause before I could deal with the symptom. And in Psalm 103, verse 3, you find forgiveness and healing working together. Because David said, forget not all thy benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Isn't it amazing David put forgiveness before he put healing? Why? Because a lot of times we can't get healed because we won't forgive ourselves. And that forgiveness it, it, it is, is a kingdom blessing that we are to walk in. Yes. Now somebody says, now, Brother Darrell, you preach like that, you're going to give people a license to sin. And I was just telling them that they'll sin enough without a license. I, I don't need... They don't need a license to sin. They do that. I said, no, what I'm doing is I'm giving them a license out of their mistakes and failures. I'm showing them that where sin did abound, God's grace does much more abound. And you don't have to lay there and pay for your mistake because Jesus paid for it on the cross so that you could be set free from it. And so the Lord was saying to this man, no matter what the enemy's telling you, no matter what things may be in your mind telling you that you can't receive this, I'm telling you right now, you're forgiven of it and you can and then he looked at the man, and I believe that man got it. <laughs> Amen. Because Jesus, after he said that and explained it, what does he do? He turns right around because he just said, the son of man, in other words, I have been given the authority to forgive and help you come out of your problems and to clean up your mess for you. Aren't you glad he's the same today as he was then? Come on. And so Jesus reached out to this man and changed his entire attitude about himself, his situation, and whether or not he could receive from God. And once he corrected his belief system and got him to quit identifying with the failure man, the mistake man, the sinner man, and began to identify it with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the healer, then Jesus could tell him what to do. He said, now pick up your bed, go home. And the man jumped up. What? He went from a person being carried into there on somebody else's faith to a person who realized, I can get this with my faith. God loves me. God will heal me. God will bless me. God loves me. And he didn't care what anybody else thought. He just grabbed his stretcher, and I bet that man ran home. And if it had been after Pentecost, he'd ran home speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. And see, this is where we're at, church. This is where we're at. 
You cannot operate in faith that moves mountains, the faith that moves the things of the kingdom of God forward if your identity is all messed up with the things of the world. Because your faith to move mountains operates out of your relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times do you have somebody coming to the Lord and they're asking him to do something and he looks at him and says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Remember over there, the man came to him about his son and, and, and Jesus, you know, the boy's into a seizure. And the man looked up and he says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Now somebody says, what, what, do you, what do you get? How could you tie that into faith? The man turned to Jesus and said, basically, I wouldn't have brought him here if I didn't know you could do it or believe you could do it. I believe you can do this, but I'm dealing with doubts and fears and worries. So Lord, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to use all the faith I've got and put the rest of it in your hands. Is that okay? Help my unbelief. You know what he's saying, Lord? I'm going to believe you with the little seed that I've got. And I'm going to put everything else in your hands. How it happens, when it happens, what you got to do to make it happen. Your will be done. I just believe it's going to happen. Amen? And what did Jesus do? He moved right in that situation. That man didn't quote him scriptures. That, that, that man did. But what did he do? He had come to the place where he realized that Jesus was who he said he was and he could do what he said he could do. And he moved into a position of receiving, not based on what he had or having everything perfect, but just the fact that, Lord, I'm going to put myself in your hands, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to put it in your hands to make it happen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen? And we're getting ready to put things in God's hands right now. I've told the story. My son says, Dad, uh, my dad tells stories all the time. Well, I don't know. I've been in this 47 years, so it, 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 sometimes you get some stories. Praise God. But I, I, I've told the story, but I you know, dealt with Mark 16. I was going to hold a healing service. And I hadn't got to pray a whole lot that day, and things had come up. And, you know, usually when I'm going to do a healing, I like to separate and pray and fast. That day I had to do some on-the-spot counseling, some other things, and this and that. And finally, I just, just had to get my Bible. It's time to go to the service. And I go there, and the biggest crowd we'd had yet. And I went back into a prayer room and said, Oh, God, Jesus, I need to be anointed because I got a good crowd out tonight, and if something don't happen, they won't come back next time. <laughs> now, you got to remember, this is 1979. I wasn't but 24 years old or so, 25. So... You know, I was a young guy. And so I'm back there. And I'm begging the Lord. And the Lord said, read Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. I said, Lord, I don't need to read it. I can quote it to you. He said, no, I didn't tell you to quote it. I said, read it. So I opened my Bible up. Go in all the world, preach the gospel, you know. He who believes, baptized, shall be, he believes not, shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And I said, that's it. I need some signs tonight. He said, keep reading. So I went right on down. They lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, da, 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 got down. And the Lord, and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirmed the word through the signs following. I said, that's it. I need some signs. He said, read Mark 16, verses 15 through 20 again. I said, I just read it. He said, read it again. So I read it out aloud again. Got down the same thing, reacted the same way. I said, yes, Lord, that's what I need. Signs and wonders. I need some healings. He said, read Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. So this time I said, Lord, I must be a little slow here because I believe that you're trying to get a point across and I'm just not getting it. You know, if you don't just stop and ask the Lord, he'll keep telling you the same thing. I said, what is it that I'm missing? He said, okay. He said, who's going to do the preaching tonight? I said, well, verse 15, me, me, I'm going to preach. He goes, that's right. He said, who's going to lay hands on the sick tonight? And I said, well, me again. He said, who's going to heal them? I said, well, it ain't going to be me. I couldn't heal them. He says, that's right. Who's going to heal them? I said, you are. Then he said this, can you do your part? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you believe I can do my part? And I said, yes, sir. He said, then let's go out and heal these people. 
Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Are you hearing me? Folks, listen to me. What I shared that for was this. You don't have to be perfect to operate in the power of the kingdom of God. Amen. You just have to have a perfect heart wanting to serve the Lord and get in there and find out who you are and live it. Are you hearing me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you came to establish the kingdom of God in our hearts and lives. And Lord, I thank you and praise you that we have the right and the privilege of operating in the power of your kingdom and to doing your works and to seeing lives changed. And Lord, you said you came to heal the brokenhearted, the downtrodden, those who had been oppressed and beat down by the things of the world. Lord, you said you came to open our eyes to see truth. Lord, I want to thank you tonight that you're the same Lord. You came to heal, to deliver, and make us whole. And Lord, you said the way we do that is we get to a place where we're just tired of the old worldly life we're living, and we realize that a new life is right at hand. It's right here, and we can move over into it through faith and trusting you and receiving you. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and goodness being poured out. And Lord, I want to thank you right now that just like you spoke to that, that, that paralyzed man on that stretcher, you let him know first that no matter what it caused it, he didn't have to pay that price. You already did. And Lord, no matter what we've done, you've already paid the price so that forgiveness and liberty and deliverance could come into our lives. And Lord, with that forgiveness and liberty comes a faith that reaches out and says, yes, Lord, I am who you say I am, and I can do what you said I can do. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to hearts, speaking to lives, speaking to each and every one of us. Two things each and every one of us need to do tonight. And as I was spending some time going through these notes and praying over this message, getting ready. And then during the worship service, I always like being where there's good worship and praise because many times while I'm praising and worshiping the Lord with the praise team, when they're hearing from God and worshiping and church is growing, the Lord speaks things to me. He's changed my entire message sometimes on the last song. <laughs> praise God. But one of the things that the Lord spoke to me while I was there, he said, there's some folks in here tonight, first of all, they've been beat up by the world. And he said, they need to come and receive a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me heal up their hurts and brokenness. And then the second thing the Lord spoke to me and he said was this, there's healing in the house tonight. There's healing in the house tonight. I believe there's gonna be some supernatural healings take place in this place. If you've got infirmity in your body, you need to lay hold of that right now. You need to get hold of it. And here's the thing. The four guys that brought the man that was paralyzed on the stretcher, they had faith, determined faith. They got him in the presence of Jesus. But when Jesus spoke to him, the man still had to use his own faith to get up off of that stretcher and go home. When Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, he had to act in faith and believe. Because whenever he said it, the man was still on a stretcher. You know the Lord calls you delivered while you're still in bondage? You know the Lord calls you whole when you're still broken? And what you have to do is come to a place where you enter into faith with him that you agree with what Jesus says about you more than what your symptoms or the world says about you. And when you come to that place, you come into the same place of that gentleman who came to Jesus and brought his son and said, I took him to disciples and they couldn't help, but if you can do anything. And Jesus spoke to him. What did Jesus say? It's not all just me. You have a part too. You have to believe. You have to connect with me. You have to agree with me. You have to come in and, and, and let me be the word in your life, not what you see or feel. Now, I don't know what you've been going through, but I want to tell you, this is a kingdom rise. You know what that means? That means we need to let the kingdom of God rise up on the inside of us and around us 
and be changed and transformed by the power of the word and by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because I'm going to go back to what I, I wrote it down. I was praying. The Lord said, I want my people to become city-shaking, nation-changing, world-harvesting believers so that when they show up, they that have turned the world upside down have now come here. That's who we're supposed to be. Amen? Amen? Stand with me all over this house. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 